0: Over recent weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of Scripture that declare the character and nature of God, biblical statements that talk about who God is. Because Jesus said in John 17:3, "This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true." and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It was the nature of Jesus' ministry. He says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me. I have made you known, and I will continue to make you known. It is the people who know their God who are strong and do exploits. And so I want to turn your attention for a little while this morning to Numbers chapter 23. I'm going to read from there in just a moment. But in Numbers 23, I'm going to be picking up an account partway through a story. And so let me remind you, it's a portion of Scripture many of you will be familiar with where... The children of Israel on their way to the promised land have camped in a particular plain and the king of Moab is terrified by them and he wants to destroy them. So he makes an alliance with the king of Midian and the Moabites and the Midianites want to destroy Israel. And the king of Moab sends for Balaam in the hope that Balaam will come and curse the people of God. Balaam says he's not coming and so the king of Moab sends princes with incredible wealth and gifts to demonstrate how richly rewarded Balaam could be if he would accept the invitation to come. And the second time... That he receives a request to come. God speaks to Balaam and he says, You go with them, but only say what I tell you to say. And so Balaam has gone with the princes of Moab and he's now at the plain where the camp of Israel is. And I want to read to you from verse 1 of Numbers chapter 23. Balaam speaking to the king of Moab says, Build me seven altars here and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me. And Balak did as Balaam said, and the two of them offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering while I go aside. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet with me. Whatever he reveals to me, I will tell you. Then he went off to a barren height And God met with him, and Balaam said, I have prepared seven altars, and on each altar I have offered a bull and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and he said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went back to him, and he found him standing beside his offering with all the Moabite officials. And then Balaam spoke his message. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations, who can, count the, who can count the dust of Jacob, a number, even a fourth of Israel. Let me die the death of a righteous, and may my final end be like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. And he answered, Must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Then Balak said to him, Come with me to another place where you can see them. You will not see them all, but only the outskirts of their camp. And from there, curse them for me. So he took him to the field of Zophim on the top of Pisgah. There he built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Balaam said to Balak, Stay here beside your offering while I meet with him over there. And the Lord met with Balaam and he put a word in his mouth and he said, Go back to Balak and give him this word. So he went to him and he found him standing beside his offering with the Moabite officials. And Balak asked him, what did the Lord say? Then he spoke his message. Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. He is not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no divination against Jacob, no evil omens against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people rise like a lioness. They raise themselves like a lion that does not rest till it devours its prey and drinks the blood of its victims. Then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. And Balaam answered, did I not tell you? I must do whatever the Lord says. And Balak said to Balaam, come, let me take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God to let you curse them for me from there and Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor overlooking the wasteland I want to turn your attention obviously especially to verses 19 verse 19 God is not a man that he should lie he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? That's the revelation God put into the mouth of Balaam to give to Balak. And the revelation that I have for you this morning, staggering, God is not a man. We didn't come here this morning because of a man. You didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ because of a man. We're here because we worship the one true and living God. Last week, Pip talked to you about the holiness of God. He is completely other. We're not here to worship some superman. God is not an exalted man. He's not a special man. God is not a man. He is not human. But the revelation is more specific. God is not a man that he should lie. Men lie. I guess there's probably not any of you in the room who haven't come to realize people tell lies. Sometimes people we know tell us lies. People we know and love lie to us. Some of us have been hurt and caused pain, heartache in one way and another because we have been lied to. And sometimes because of the lies people have told us, It's made us a little bit cynical or mistrusting. And I want to say to you this morning, please do not judge God by the actions of any man or woman you have ever known. God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't lie. He can't lie. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a human being, so he doesn't change his mind. And so one of the other things that we understand from life is that people change their mind. People make commitments to us, and they break them. People give us their word on situations, and then they reflect on what they've said. Perhaps the circumstances for them change. They get to know us a little bit better. And for whatever reason, they decide that what they have said they will do, they can no longer fulfill. If the circumstances change for them, or if their understanding of our relationship changes, we find ourselves at times in situations where people change their mind. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to it. People just change their mind. Here is the revelation of the Word of God. God does not lie. God does not change his mind. And the context of it is a very particular one. Balaam has been asked to come and curse the people of God. And he's made it crystal clear when he set out with the Moabite officials I'm coming with you, but I will only say what God gives me to say. And when he arrives with the king of Moab, with Balak, he tells Balak, I'm only going to say what God gives me to say. And so he looks from the rocky heights at the whole of the nation. And he blesses Israel and Balak is raging you can't do that you've I brought you here to curse them you've blessed them that's not all right and then Balak says to Balaam come with me and let's take a different vantage point You won't see the whole camp, you'll only see the outskirts of the camp. It'll be a part of the people. But with that perspective, maybe you'll curse them then. And I finished reading at the point where Balak says for a third time listen, come with me to this final place and let's look from there. What's he saying? If God could see Israel from a different perspective, if God could see this from a different view, if he had a different angle on the situation, then perhaps he would change his mind. Then he would be willing to curse them. Which is the most ridiculous thing in the world. God saw the whole of their situation completely. He saw the whole of their situation before they came into being. Before they were a nation, God saw them. He saw the end from the beginning. But here's the way a man measures God. If I could get God to see this from my point of view, if I could get God to see it from my perspective, if I could take him to here and persuade him to see Israel like that, What if we could come to this position and see them like this? It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? How is it going to make any difference? But please, with respect, let me say to you this morning, very often on our prayers, what we're trying to do is persuade God to see the situation from a different perspective. Some of you are trying to persuade God, if only He could see the situation like you see the situation. You're not happy that God hasn't acted in a given way. You're wondering why God hasn't yet done what you want him to do. And what we wonder is, God, do you really see what's happening here? God, do you know what's going on? God, if I could take you to this situation, if you could view the backside of the outskirts of it from over there, if I could take you to this height and you could see it from there, What, you think God doesn't know your situation? God knows your situation completely. There is nothing that you can tell God about what you're going through. There is nothing that you can tell God about the circumstances that led up to the situation that you're in. There's nothing that God doesn't know about where you've come from, where you are, and where he's taking you to. But at times we're trying to persuade him out of the sometimes anger, pain, disappointment in our own hearts. God, if only you could see this from where I see it. He does. He knows exactly how you see it. And here's the revelation what he said, he will fulfill. Does he speak and not act? Never. Does he promise and not fulfill? No. The nature of God is that he always does what he says he will do. And it seems simple for me to say this to you. It is. But over the years I've listened to people Talk to me about trying to bend God's arm to see the situation from how I see it. He's fully aware of how you see it. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And we need to come to this understanding God is not a man. He will not be changing his mind, he doesn't lie. Here's the testimony of Joshua. Joshua 23 and verse 14. He says, I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all of the good promises of God has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. A whole lifetime of leading Israel, leading first of all alongside Moses, then leading in his own right, seeing one challenge after another, one situation after another, one battle after another, enemies utterly committed to their destruction. And Joshua says, I'm about to die. Here's what I tell you. Not one promise of God has ever failed to be fulfilled. The testimony of Samuel, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. A man who was an outstanding prophet and judge, who had revelation after revelation. God doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. The psalmist's testimony, Psalm 105 and verse 8. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations What God has said, he remembers. Well, God can't forget. Pip's reminded us of that already this morning. A God who can't forget, when it says he remembers, what he said he'd do, he intends to act on. Time doesn't matter. The years that pass are irrelevant. What God has said, he will do. The Apostle Paul says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He's a God who's committed to what he has said. Solomon says, 1 Kings 8 and verse 56, Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses God is faithful to his promises he cannot lie he cannot change his mind because he's not suddenly going to understand something he didn't understand before God won't suddenly find out something about you he wasn't aware of God knows you completely. He knows the very best about you. He knows the worst about you. He won't be changing his mind. What he has said, he will fulfill. Psalm 145 and verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. 2 Corinthians 1.20 no matter, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. All of his promises, yes and amen in Jesus Christ. His promises are given for great purpose. Second Peter chapter 3, chapter 1 and v- verse 3 says, His divine power. Has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises, that through them, you might become partakers of the divine nature. Is that not the most staggering thing? He has given his very great and precious promises so that through the promises of his word you and I might become a partaker of his divine nature. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not going to change his mind about what he wants to accomplish in your life. What does that mean in practice? Are you in trouble? Psalm 34 and verse 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. The righteous man may have many troubles. Which ones does the Lord deliver him from? He delivers them from them all. Psalm 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. What does that mean? It means I don't need him to get me out of the trouble I'm in. He is with me to help me to face whatever is happening in my life head on and he's going to bring me through it. He is committed to be with me in every situation that I'm, I face and to deliver me in those situations Psalm 15 verse 15 says, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Are you in trouble this morning? God is not a man that he should lie. He's going to deliver you from your trouble. He's going to stand alongside you. He is an ever-present help. He's not going to wait till next week to help you. He's willing to stand alongside you today for you to know his presence and power today. He's willing to walk with you in it today. Has he spoken and he will not fulfill? Everything he said he will do, he will do. You can count on it. He's given his angels charge concerning you. The angel of the Lord camps around those that fear him and he delivers him. Hebrews 1 and verse 14 are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. When you feel that the opposition's great, that you're under pressure, remember there is a heavenly host that is working on your behalf. All angels are ministering spirits sent to serve you who are inheriting salvation. That's their purpose. That's the promise of God. That's what he said he would do. Your children, listen to Psalm 103 verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon those who fear him, and his righteousness is unto their children's children. That's the promise of God. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him. You fear him? You love God, you walk with him. What's the future going to look like for your children? God says his righteousness is going to come to your children and your children's children. That's the promise of his word. The closing word of God in the Old Testament, when he talked about the champion of God, the Messiah who was going to come. Malachi closes with these words. When he comes in the spirit of Elijah, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. You're worried about your children today. You're worried about what's going on in their lives. You're worried about the distance there is between you. God has made a commitment that his word is to act in such a way that he turns the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. He's going to bring about a reconciliation. In their lives. Apparently, when you pass through the waters, He's going to be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. The floods are not going to drown you. And when you're going through the fire, you will not in any way be burned because He's with you. You're weak this morning? He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. That's the Word of God. What is it that you need from God today? Because our purpose isn't to sit here and say, I'm in a terrible situation, things are awful, and God, if only you could see this from my perspective. Our purpose is to say, God, you have committed yourself to me. You're not a man that you would lie. You do not speak and fail to fulfill what you've said. All of the promises of God to us are yes and amen in Jesus. He cannot lie. He cannot change his mind. If you need him to act for you today, then what we need to do is ask him to fulfill his word. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Apparently, we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Did he mean that? When he revealed that to us in his word, was he saying something to taunt you? Is he trying to mock you? Absolutely not. God is not a man that he should lie. There's not a perspective he hasn't seen on your situation. There's not something he doesn't understand about what you're going through. He made this promise in Isaiah fifty-four, seventeen. He says, no weapon that is forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, says the Lord. No weapon formed against you. The children of Israel are in the valley. The Moabite and Midianite kings have come together. Their armies are surrounding them. They've brought Balaam in to curse the people of God and then they're going to swoop on them to destroy them. God says, Balaam says, I cannot curse what God has not cursed. It doesn't matter who curses you. I am blessed and it doesn't matter who's against me. They cannot stop the purpose of God in my life and it doesn't matter who speaks against me. It doesn't matter who tries to destroy my character. It doesn't matter what people say about me. God knows who I am. God is committed to fulfilling his purpose in my life. He promised it and he will fulfill it. That's the vindication I have from him. I might not be vindicated in some people's eyes this morning, but I'm vindicated in his. I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted in the beloved. God loves me today, and he accepts me as his child. He actually says to me in terms of my enemies, never avenge yourself. But leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. Does God promise and not fulfill? Does he speak and not act? Vengeance is mine. Everyone who has ever opposed me, God will deal with if I'm in the right place with him. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't change his mind. So I understand he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. His presence is always with me. I understand that there is absolutely nothing in heaven, in hell, or in between that is able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. I understand that there is no temptation I am going to face that is greater than the ability God will give me to overcome it. He will always provide a way of escape from me under every temptation. I understand that what God began in my life, he has committed to finishing. I understand that he has predestined to conform me into the image and the likeness of his son. I'm not going to get halfway and be left abandoned. I'm not going to fall short of the finishing post because God started this work in me and God promised what he started, he's going to finish. He's not a man, he doesn't lie. What he says he will do, he will do. He promised me that every single thing that happens in my life, he will work together for my good. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know God is not a man that he should lie I do know that he doesn't say things to mock you. I'm fully aware that he doesn't change his mind because he sees the perspective completely. And if you need his help today, then he's going to deliver you out of your trouble. He's an ever-present help. If you need his strength today, He gives strength to the weak and he increases power to the weary. If you want to ask him to act on behalf of your children today, then he is committed to your children. Because through a thousand generations of those who are righteous, he is committed to bring righteousness into the life of your children. He's a God who loves you, who's completely committed to you. I'm going to get out of your way. Kelsey and the musicians are going to come. They're going to lead us in worship for a little while. But I'm going to ask you, if you need his help today, if you need his strength today, if you need guidance from him, if you need wisdom, all of those things are promised. If you need peace to still your turmoil that's going on inside you, he's a God who has promised peace to you. Not peace like the world gives, but peace that is totally different. Whatever it is you need from him, in these moments as we stand and worship together, I'm going to invite you, if you need something from him, come. And we're going to stand alongside you and whatever it is, we're going to ask a God who cannot lie, who doesn't change his mind, to minister into your life today because he's a God who always fulfills his word. Pastor Davey, Pip, Campbell, myself are here. We'll be delighted to pray with you. If you need him today, then you come as we worship together.